You're listening to It's Politics Stupid, and this week we talk about the Chicago PD, the end of government surveillance, and Obama's special address to the nation. Hi everyone, welcome to It's Politics Stupid, the news, politics, and culture podcast created for millennials by millennials. We break down the important stuff and explain the who's, what's, where's, and most importantly, the why you should give a damn's. I'm Abu. I'm Anna. And I'm Allie. Guys, how was your Thanksgiving? Delicious. Super good. I cooked everything. It was crazy. That's amazing. I also went home and got my mom's cooking. It wasn't the same because it was a not traditional American cooking, but it was still delicious. And that was also our excuse for not having a show last week. (laughs) Oops. Yeah, not really an excuse. We could have done it probably, but school, you know. Yeah. But we have a new episode today too, and we got plenty to talk about. So let's get to it. At the top of the show, like every other show, we're going to go over the top three stories that you would have read in the news if you actually read the news. The stuff that people are sharing on your news feed and why you should care. We need to talk about what to do differently to ensure that incidents like this do not happen again about the police culture that allows it and enables it, and the even larger cultural issues that devalue devalue life in our communities. The Justice Department has opened an investigation on the Chicago Police Department, scrutinizing their use of deadly force, racial bias, and potential cover-up of the Laquan McDonald case. Um, For those who don't know, Laquan McDonald, a black teenager, was shot 16 times by Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke. Um, A recent video released of the incident heavily contradicted the original police report, and Van Dyke was charged with first-degree murder last month. Um, The original police report, uh, the officers said that McDonald um, had attacked them with a knife that he had. He did have a knife, but in the video that was recently released, um, it actually looked like he was walking away from the police officers. And after he had been shot once, had fallen, and then still was shot a total of 16 times. Another police brutality story. Yes. I feel like we just talked about this a couple episodes ago. Yeah, this is actually, um, the Justice Department has opened more than 20 police department investigations in the last six years. Oh, my God. So this is not uncommon. Uh, This one's actually particularly interesting because there seems to be a bit of a cover-up in the situation. Um, (laughs) So Chicago City Council had a $5 million settlement with the McDonald family before... Like, any of this really got kind of down to the nitty-gritty. And then the city officials attempted to keep the video from being released, um, though now it eventually was a year after the fact. Um, And some suggest that part of the reason for the cover-up might have been due to its timing coinciding with Mayor Rahm Emanuel's re-election campaign. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That is some... Sith Lord level of corruption there. That is creepy. That's real... Yep, dirty That's the politics. Midwest. That's up here. I mean, it sounds just like Chicago or Cleveland's kind of. I mm-hmm. mean, they're trying to keep them from charging as well the family. So that's yeah. insane. And I mean, I feel like this is like a whole episode discussion that we could talk about. But I have this whole rant on police training and police brutality and like what it comes down to. And there's definitely, I mean, there's no doubt that there's a racial issue here. Uh, and the numbers obviously support that, that obviously 
white police officers, the rate, the numbers are very stacked against white police officers assaulting black uh, young black men. But personally, I think this all just comes back down to training. And like, obviously, there's a whole cover up and a whole. There's a lot more going on in this story. But I think overall, when police brutality is concerned, it comes down to proper training and vetting these officers that are on the streets patrolling. I think it also comes down to, you know, ethics of the department and of any sort of officials involved, you know, which is um, particularly with this case, but probably with a lot of other cases that they're investigating. uh, The fact that there was, you know, maybe this big cover up, um, you know, maybe it's a little kind of deep with the whole re-election and all that kind of stuff, but you probably see that on a smaller level throughout over the years and in a lot of police departments. That's true. Uh, there's a, um, I was looking at some numbers one time. This wasn't for this shooting or anything. It was a while ago. But there, there was a statistic that officers that get sent to court don't get indicted. Like It was like 90 to 10, like 90% to 10% as like officers that go to court will not get indicted 90% of the time. So it's yeah. like there's this huge, and it, there was reasons for it listed in this thing I read, but it was mo- mainly just because like, there's a bias towards police officers. Like these are public. It's uh, a power. Yeah. It's yeah. like a position of power and the people that are indicting these uh, police officers have also worked with them before. So there's this bias there. Yeah. This article that I was reading said um, of 409 shootings involving Chicago police since September 2007, only two have led to allegations against an officer. <sighs> Jesus. Right. being found credible um and that's from al jazeera america ali actually shared that article with me thank yeah. you ali yep yep anytime i do all that you know highlighting <laughs> thing that i do and all about the annotations but no. yeah so just you know some numbers that's backing incredible. What you were i think i think overall this country needs some more police accountability some more police better police training and just more vetting just screening of police officers because they're not above the law or they shouldn't be and they should be held accountable just like anyone else who would shoot somebody 16 times while they're on the ground. Yeah, so uh, certainly it's a strong step forward for privacy advocates. I would argue it doesn't go far enough. It leaves much of the Patriot Act intact. But certainly some of the most uh, extreme violations and the uh, mass uh, collection of personal data uh, will no longer be authorized uh, under the Patriot Act. So it's a strong step forward. Hey, Boo. Yeah? Can I hear a bedtime story? Sure, I got one for you. Oh, I bet it's going to be really pleasant. Oh, it's wonderful. (laughs) At the stroke of midnight on November 29th, the USA Freedom Act, which was passed back in June, went into effect and the NSA officially shut down its phone surveillance program. Snowden cheered. Big Brother toppled. Fireworks lit the sky and the age of evil government surveillance came to an end. But not quite. Hmm. That did happen. But... They'd shut down the phone surveillance program. There's plenty of other uh, stipulations in both the Patriot Act and the USA Freedom Act that still give the NSA a lot of power and a lot of surveillance um, uh, oversight. So just to go over a couple of things that the NSA can still do, the phone companies can continue to collect the same data that the NSA was collecting, but now there's a middleman. The NSA needs to get a warrant for an investigation from a FISA court, which is this secretive internal court that was created from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, where the name FISA came from. So they have to get this warrant to get to these phone surveillance, uh, uh, the surveillance data that these phone companies, excuse me, got. So there's this middleman to get to the same data that they could directly 
uh, get before. So that's the big win here is that they can't just directly get your data. But in the Patriot Act itself, back back in the day when it was first um, passed, there were exceptions put in that the NSA had the oversight to continue any sort of surveillance that was necessary for, quote, ongoing investigations. Now, this is an argument the NSA could make to really justify any sort of investigation because anything they're doing could technically be against terrorism and ISIS and Al-Qaeda, which are all ongoing conflicts in today's world. So they really, I mean, if they needed to, could go to these provisions in the Patriot Act and use that as an excuse. So I guess my point here is I just wanted to talk about what your guys' thoughts were on privacy in the modern world, because we all live on the internet. We weren't born with the internet. We're kind of that middle generation, but we all currently live on the internet. All of our information is everywhere. We share everything. The NSA, and maybe not even the NSA, anyone has access to that information. Is privacy even possible? And should we be worried about this stuff the NSA is stealing from us? Well, you know me. I don't know if I'm like ignorant or something, but I really just have always been okay with it. I'm like, okay, go ahead, government. I trust you. Go do what you want. I mean, I'm not afraid of them knowing things. I'm just one of those people that's like not paranoid about that kind of thing. There's a lot of people that are, and it's a totally understandable, right, that people don't want everyone to know everything about them and be off the grid and everything, but that's just not me, and I just think NSA is cool. I mean, I think the couple of issues that I see with it overall, I'm kind of an Alice camp in that I'm not really worried about the government spying on me or whatever you want to call it um, personally, but I think that overall the two bigger issues are that, one, um, they can be profiling people. Whether or not mm-hmm. these people actually have something to be worried about, um, is it right that the government's just spying on certain people they think might maybe sort of be associated with some terrorist organization maybe um you know and there could be a lot of profiling in that we don't know who they're looking at um so that kind of leaves a big open gap um in what we know about what they're actually doing um it's all very secretive the FISA court obviously exists because we're not allowed to see what's going on there um and so you know big question marks over what the government's actually doing also um I guess the bigger concern is that When considering free speech, if people think that the government is constantly listening to them, they might actually edit their thoughts. Like, how many times has you or a friend said something, been like, oh, NSA is listening? You know, we make that joke all the time. Um, But really, like, if someone were genuinely concerned, then, like, they might not think or say or search a certain thing because they think that the government might have access to that. And that's really limiting, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of information. I search things that, you know, I find interesting or that I want to learn more about, not because I'm a terrorist, but because I want to learn about them. Yeah, those are some really good points. And I want to touch back on them in a second. But real quick, my opinion on this is twofold. (laughs) Um, But uh, don't worry, I'm going to get back to what you said, Anna. But my, my thoughts on this are twofold. I think I very much fall in the same uh, area as you guys when it comes to, like, not really caring. Like, my Facebook is public. Like, I don't even put that on, like, friends only. Like, everything I share, anyone could ever look up, possible employers. I don't care. Like, if you're not going to hire me because it's something I posted on Facebook, I don't want to work for your shitty company. So, bam. I don't <laughs> care about my information, really. Like, if someone wanted to get to it, they could very easily get to it. Whatever. That's fine. You can look up when my birthday is or my bank account number i don't have any money so go ahead (laughs) but 
but I do see one of the a lot of those paranoid people at work because at work I I fix a lot of uh, phones and people are super worried about what's on their phone and who's accessing it and how people are accessing it. People go as far as to like turn off the GPS on their phone so it's never tracked in a location, which is a total inconvenience to you as somebody who has a smartphone because you can't get directions, you can't get the weather because the phone doesn't know where you are. You turn yeah. off the GPS. But they do it because they're so afraid of uh, NSA types getting into their information. So I, I've seen both sides of it. I fall in the category of just not caring. The victims were brutally murdered and injured by one of their co-workers and his wife. So far, we have no evidence that the killers were directed by a terrorist organization overseas or that they were part of a broader conspiracy here at home. But it is clear that the two of them have, had gone down the dark path of radicalization, embracing a perverted interpretation of Islam that calls for war against America and the West. Obama addressed the nation Sunday evening discussing the recent shooting in San Bernardino, the military strategy against ISIL, gun control, and other topics. And Obama confirmed that the San Bernardino shooting that left 14 dead was an act of terror from a radicalized husband and wife. And it was confirmed that it, they're investigating right now that, that the wife, who is Pakistani, um, radicalized her American-born husband and all of that. And that kind of leads to my favorite part of the speech, which I want to talk to you about mostly, Abu. Um, which was Obama saying that Americans have the responsibility to reject discrimination and that this lack of mutual respect, this feelings that we have towards any Islamic person, any Muslims and stuff like that, um, feeling like an outsider leads to radicalization. Yeah, and Obama did touch on that, and I think he really nailed it on the head when he was just like, it is our responsibility as Americans, as a world superpower as, I mean, a sort of moral authority in the world when you have the, the largest military in the world. Um, it, it is our responsibility to kind of be the uh, ideal, to reject discrimination, to, to be accepting. He even touched on the um, religious test to get into the country. Mm-hmm. He talked about that again and how he, that's just ridiculous. Like our compassion should not have a religious test attached to it. Um, I think that's one of his better best quotes. It just he he was really just laying out. I think in layman's terms, he was just being like, "Hey y'all, let's not be racist, please." Which like, is is that ridiculous? Is that ridiculous that a president has to say that to us all? I, I think it is ridiculous. Absolutely. Like, like yeah. what? The president has to be like, "Hey everybody, hold your horses." You're being kind of racist. Like, what? Why does a president have to go on national television and have to tell everyone in the country to stop being racist? And, I, and I, I'm sure that some of that is attributed to the Trump effect and to, uh, you know, the stuff that he's blabbing. But it, it's just ridiculous that the president has to go on, uh, go on air to very kindly and smoothly tell everyone to stop being idiots and stop being racist and stop hating their fellow human beings. Like, mm-hmm. You would think in this day and age we're beyond that, but clearly we're not. This isn't a war between America and Islam, and that's exactly what he said, and I totally... Exactly. And he also touched on, I want to say, he did. He said one more, one more thing about Islam where he was like, ISIS and our enemy is not representative of Islam. Yeah. They're an outlier. They're barbarians. They're, you know, they're a very small portion of this larger whole that are, and is not representative of this larger whole. And I think that's so important to get across to everyone that 
they are not representative of Islam. They are using Islam as a recruiting tool, as a tool to represent themselves as an organization, but it is not at the core of what they are and who they are because the Islamic uh, rules and the Islamic guidelines have nothing to do with what they are doing. Nothing in Islam says behead the people you're at war with. Well, that's the thing is a lot of people don't understand the religion at all, which, you know, because we're all ignorant Christians and all that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, they're all very violent. No, that's the number one rule. No violence. Like, that's like a big thing. Well, I think also it's just silly because there are white Christian Americans who are recruited by ISIS. It has nothing to do with religion it, for them. Yeah. It's this kind of like counterculture movement that ISIS has created that is morphed so far away from religion. Yeah. And, and I want to backpedal a little bit because we talked plenty about ISIS in the previous episode. If you're interested in that, go back to last week. We talked to one of our professors, CIA director. Hashtag had, great. Yeah, she was amazing. She had a ton to say about ISIS. Super informative. It was an extra long episode. But I, I mean, this St. Bernardino shooting... It really didn't have anything to do with ISIS. It's not like no. ISIS gave these guys a directive to, hey, we need you to attack this location. Like they were pretty much self-radicalized people, yep. and they decided to attack their coworkers out of, you know, frustration, uh, you know, whatever it was. And I don't even know if ISIS took credit yet for this incident. And that might have changed, but last I read, they hadn't said anything. They said they supported it, but they weren't taking credit for it because they didn't do it. And I think right. it comes back. So to, it's a little it ridiculous that the, this like homegrown domestic terrorist act just because these two people are brown and Muslim and said they were part of ISIS has suddenly become this discussion about ISIS when it isn't. It's just a homegrown terrorist problem. Well, and we didn't, right. have, a, we didn't have a discussion about whether or not, you know, white Christians should be let in when white Christians shot people. Like mm -hmm. what, you know, this conversation is only coming up because of this kind of fear mongering that's been going on. And that honestly really plays into ISIS's ideology. I want the truth to come out. There's a lot more to this than me to go silently into the grave. Uh, there's a lot of things that they don't want to be known. Planned Parenthood and my lawyer are in cahoots to shut me up because they don't want the truth out. There's been a slew of controversy surrounding Planned Parenthood recently, and of course there was that terrible shooting just a couple weeks ago, but there is also policy debate about whether or not to fund it and funding issues with the organization. And there was that controversial video from a while ago about the organization. To talk about all of these and much more, we invited our wonderful friend, Sarah Thibault, onto the show. Take a listen. Well, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. It's good to be with you guys. I'm excited. Sarah, tell Me us too. a little bit about yourself before we get into the really nitty gritty of what we're going to talk about. Sure. Well, after listening to your last episode with Stephanie Jane Smith, I feel severely underqualified to be talking <laughs> to you. However, I, I suppose I do have a bachelor's degree in women's gender and sexuality studies and sociology, um, which I earned from the College of Worcester about a year and a half ago. And I am currently applying to um, master's of social work programs all across the country. So I'm still pursuing something in the social justice vein, something that's very very, very important to me. Um, I'm currently working as a Montessori preschool teacher, so that's Ooh. a little outside the realm of Planned Parenthood, but I still keep up with what's going on in the news, and I care very deeply about um, women's issues and intersectional feminist issues, so... Good. Sarah, don't good. undersell yourself. You sound <laughs> very qualified to me, definitely more qualified than me, but we're here to talk about Planned Parenthood and all the recent recent controversies that have been surrounding it. There's been policy issues about funding it, defunding it, 
and it's been a debate on both sides. Um, there's also been, there was, of course, that shooting in mm-hmm. which I think three people died, and that was apparently because of the, how that guy felt about abortion. We'll talk about that. But it's really just been, a, there's just been a ton of controversy in the news lately. How, what, are your, what are your thoughts overall about Planned Parenthood and all the things that have just been surrounding it, the rhetoric around it? I think it's been, it's a really interesting story and a really interesting, I think, testament to the GOP circus we've got going on right now (laughs) in this country. Um, Because it really all started with a video that has, I mean, to this day been proven by various news media sources to be absolutely false. And yet this one video has been the sole reference point for all the GOP um, candidates who have been kind of spewing this really, really anti-Planned Parenthood um, rhetoric. And so this video, I mean, I'm sure most of us have heard about it by now, but it apparently showed um, Planned Parenthood executives talking about selling um, baby parts from aborted fetuses for science research. So selling for profit was, the, I think, the main thing that really got mm-hmm. people going about this. Um, and later on, it was shown that, no, that's not what they were talking about. They were talking about being reimbursed for donated tissue, which is legal, and it's something that not just Planned Parenthood does, but I mean, any abortion provider can donate that tissue and then they get reimbursed for like shipping costs and whatnot. They're not paid. They're not making profit off of convincing women to get abortions so that they can then sell baby parts for horrible like Jekyll and Hyde research, which is really what this has been made out to be. Right. And I think it's also worthwhile noting that the people that produced this video are very much an anti-abortion organization. Absolutely. So mm. it's not like this was an impartial documentary created by a legitimate news source. It was an organization with an agenda that created this extremely biased and sometimes not factual, clearly unfactual video at some points where um, there's this CNN article that kind of broke down some parts of the video where they just like Google image search some fetuses and put it in there. Like there wasn't yeah. actual footage they recorded or actual pictures they took, they just Google image search some stuff and put it in their documentary. So right. I think I think you have to keep in mind that this video, while it you know it can causes an emotional stir and can really get to people, you got to realize it's a video with an agenda because it's an organization with an agenda. Well, I think also what's interesting is not just um, how it might be affecting policy and kind of putting that on the agenda for everyone to talk about, which I definitely want to continue with, but also that. There is some argument going on right now that the shooter at the Planned Parenthood clinic, actually, while he was being taken away, said something along the lines of, like, no more baby parts, um, referring to the video, um, saying that, you know, maybe that this video and all of, you know, the talk that's been going on around it by politicians might have actually incited this man to go do this awful act and I mean, kill it was it was recorded. It's on record that he did mm-hmm. say that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not just speculation or rumor at this point he did indeed say (laughs) no more baby parts so I I think it's fair to say that his motivation I mean while of course there's always the chance of mental illness or something like that being involved in a shooting of that kind I think it's clear that some of his motivation 
was those videos and was his idea that Planned Parenthood was selling fetuses. Yeah, so doing harm in a way other than just maybe, you know, causing the agenda to push towards defunding Planned Parenthood, which getting onto that topic, um, I think that abortion oftentimes is like the one thing that people really carry when they're talking about Planned Parenthood, you know, like I know that when uh, debates on policy were going on um, in the Ohio government, um, a lot of what people were saying were like, well, they can have their funding if they stop providing those services, or we'll give it to an organization that doesn't provide abortions, which abortions are legal. So um, I Roe just think- Roe v. Wade is a real thing, it's my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I think that maybe people don't know exactly what Planned Parenthood does other than just um, I mean, there are abortion services at some Planned Parenthoods, but not even all of them. Right. And I think, I mean, on the one hand, I think this is a very important talking point, And I'm glad that a lot of people on the left have been pulling this and kind of saying, using it as evidence to say, hey, Planned Parenthood is really useful. I mean, don't you have a mother or a sister or a grandmother that has had breast cancer or cervical cancer or someone in your family who has had a sexually transmitted disease, someone who's really desperately needed family planning services. Um, and I mean, Planned Parenthood just provides such an array of especially preventative health care, which is really vital for women. I mean, a lot of women get breast cancer. A lot of women get cervical cancer. And to have free screenings, that's incredible. And Planned Parenthood is so widespread that it's a good, reliable place to get those services. So I think the the talking point, like you just said, that, hey, Planned Parenthood only provides a small, small percentage of abortions compared to all of the other services that they provide. I mean, that's only a little bit of what they do. It's necessary to bring that up because this whole conversation has been Planned Parenthood equals abortion. And that's not the case. Right. The two things have just become synonymous at this point right. when you talk about it, you know, at all. Right. On the other hand, though, I think it's important, especially uh, um, from my feminist perspective, but also just from a pro-woman perspective and giving a woman um, the right to do with her body as she feels is appropriate. And I mean, yes, abortion is a very, very delicate topic in our country, and I understand feelings on both sides of the coin. However, abortion is a legal right. And I think, unfortunately, when we focus a lot on um, all of these other services that Planned Parenthood provides, which are valid and true, we move away from saying, okay, but also abortions are legal and we should have access to them. Where do you, where do you either of you really, I mean, being the only male in the room, um, where do you guys feel the divide is there? The people that want to defund Planned Parenthood and the people that want to keep... Um, giving organizations like that money, where do you think that divide falls? Is it Republican, Democrat? Is it male, female? Is it old people, young people? Where's that divide and which side falls where? I want to speak to that, Anna? Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, it's probably a partisan political issue, but also I think that's coming from a place of, you know, watching the media and kind of seeing how it differs from one side to the next. Um, I think also in some ways, because as you said, Planned Parenthood for some reason has become synonymous with abortions. I don't know exactly why. Obviously, that's not the case, but for some reason it has. I think that sometimes it could fall on a religious issue as well. I think a lot of people um, end up turning abortion into a religious issue um which i mean totally violates separation of church and state but that could be part of the reason why some people don't want planned parenthood to have funding i would say the the religious issue 
in, in my opinion and from what I've seen in the news media and the politicians who are making this like a focal point of their campaign, it, it's mostly religious. I think the only argument you could have against abortion is that there's some moral imperative against doing it, against having an abortion, that abortion is equal to murder. Um, and that moral kind of justification can only come from a religious perspective, I think. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there who are against abortion and are also atheists, but I think what we're seeing is the evangelical right really pushing this. Um, and we have these figureheads in the current GOP candidates who are pushing this evangelical, like, let's get back to our country's foundation. Let's get back to the the Christian morals that our country was founded on, like that rhetoric. And so the abortion argument kind of fits nicely into that. Um, and I think that gets to the core of it, too, is yeah. that it's an emotional issue. It's it's a it's a opinion that really pushes an emotional button for a lot yes. of people, and mm-hmm. especially, like we've said, for a lot of religious people. And there are schools of thought where not just abortions, but birth, birth control is also a sin. It's not, it's not the right thing to do. You're preventing mm. what could be your child from being born by using birth control, and that's what God wanted you to do is have that child, and you're using this man-made scientific thing to stop it. I think that's where it comes in, is that it's an emotional issue, and it's very much a political hot-button issue where if you want people to get fired up at a rally or if you want people to side with you, you just say that. You just say something that'll get them fired up. You don't actually talk about the logistics or the logical reasonings behind it. And I think that's difficult when you get emotional about a topic. I think that's an interesting point, too. I mean, when talking about what incited someone like Robert Deere to commit uh, an act of, I mean, really domestic terrorism at a Planned Parenthood in Colorado Springs, how much, I mean, we're holding the GOP responsible in certain ways because they're being very loud and vocal about the videos that came out and needing to defund Planned Parenthood for that reason. But I mean, how much responsibility does the news media have for giving constant coverage to this topic and to saying over and over again, like, were the videos real? I mean, that coverage is still happening right now. Like I've seen it on CNN recently. (laughs) And I just think it's ridiculous that news media sometimes asks these same questions over and over again when there are reputable sources that have said, this is false. (laughs) This is not real. (laughs) And it's because they know that people will watch it and it gets airtime because of that. And I think that we see the same thing happening with Trump. You know, Trump makes these off you know, outlandish offhand comments and people will talk about them until the end of tomorrow, even though it doesn't really seem like the Republican Party is trying to claim him. (laughs) And obviously the Democrats don't like him. And so it's like, you know, such a small margin of people are actually following Trump, but the amount of playtime he gets is like wildly disproportionate to that. So some states have already put in motion, correct? Put in motion certain bills that would defund Planned Parenthood, right? right. I know I think Ohio Texas has. Is, yeah, Ohio has put this bill in. It was recently voted on. I think the House passed it. Is that accurate, Anna? Yeah, so I believe that it was passed, but not officially into law. Like, it needs to be approved Right, right. There's still, still a couple more steps to go, but yeah, it at least yeah. made a f- first step. Passed but through the House. There are other states like Texas who have already pulled their Medicaid funding for Planned Parenthood, which, I mean, it means that state funding is no longer given to the organization. Federal funding, Congress just voted to defund Planned Parenthood, and that did pass through Congress, so now it's going to Obama's desk. I think a lot of Planned Parenthood advocates are um, 
really disappointed and shocked that this has made it as far as Obama's desk. But I think the um, promising news is that Obama will surely veto it. Um, And after that point, I don't know that it'll get much more traction. Um, And of course, that's all dependent on which way the 2016 election swings. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, I mean, just to boil down our discussion, it comes down to the fact that Lesson one, Planned Parenthood is not synonymous with abortions. That is not all they do. And then beyond that, the services that Planned Parenthood provides empower women. They give women the freedom of choice. And I mean, it, just the benefits of an organization like Planned Parenthood are really something that you should look into. I mean, that's, I'm not trying to discredit the people that have a religious opinion because, of course, I'm not saying your religion is wrong and that you're wrong. And if you have a religious view, that's fine. And if you think birth control and abortions are bad, then you have the right to then think that. Then don't use birth control and don't get an abortion. Right. <laughs> and one final plug um, about the abortion topic, too. I think we all need to do a little bit more research about what a fetus looks like at the the time that it can be aborted and, like, what our conception – I mean, this is just a broader debate – but, like, <laughs> when we believe life starts and what – I mean, it's not killing, like, a baby. You know, I don't know. I think that the GOP, everyone, everyone on all sides should know more about like scientifically, what is an abortion? Like, what does an abortion look like? I think we just need to be more educated about that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's an emotional image. If you show that poor skinny kid in Africa, you're going to get more donations. If you show that baby looking fetus that may not actually be the fetus that was aborted because the image they used in that documentary wasn't a fetus it was um a stillbirth from from a mother who like took a picture of her stillbirth's child so it wasn't an aborted fetus um but again it's an emotional image you put that up there and people are immediately on your side because oh my god everyone's against that of course so sarah thank you again so much for being on today um i know you have a busy schedule and we had to reschedule a bunch of stuff but we loved having you on and you really filled us in on a lot of information and i think it was a good it was a good discussion i think this is a discussion that really everyone should be having before they decide where they fall on such a divisive issue thanks again it was a pleasure to be here thank Thank you for having me so, Anna, what did you think of that discussion with Sarah? You guys got a little bit fired up there. Yeah, I mean, it's an important issue. I think that sometimes, you know, we make jokes on the show about, ooh, we got super fired up and worked up, but it's important stuff. And I think that just as, you know, as we talked about, the media is going to push things one way or another because, you know, that it gets coverage or whatever. We need to have just as deep and long of discussions about these things because they matter. I agree. I I mean, my only regret about that whole discussion with Sarah was that Allie was missing because she was at work. She She, would have loved that. She just wrote a whole piece for one of her courses about um, the defunding of Planned Parenthood in Ohio. Maybe maybe, uh, Allie and Sarah can do a one-on-one special for us sometime. I'm sure we'll hear more about this issue. I don't think it's going away. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. We want to thank you for listening and tuning in and being a part of this show. It means a ton to us. Special thanks to our sound engineer, Andres, and our writers, Chris and Hannah. We're a young show, and we'd love to get some feedback to learn and grow. So if you'd like to contact us, hit us up at ipspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always just leave us a review on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.